Freddie Stat Go is a completely fan-produced show of the fan-controlled sports and entertainment network. The first ever open-source professional sports league controlled entirely by you, the fans. Now, it's time for the show. Welcome back to another and for season one, the last finale, explosion, explosion, episode of Freddy Stad Go. I am one half of your host, Kyle Stathead Sheridan, joined always by the incredibly smart, biggest brain, many wrinkled in the brain, Freddy Airmail. Freddy, what's going on? My brain bumpy weird is what's going on. Hell but we yeah. like we like the we like the the wrinkles. We like the wrinkles here. That's what I've that's what I've gathered so far. And, more uh, wrinkles, more yeah. thinkles. <laughs> we got, a, got a, we got a great show. We're gonna round out the final eleven quarterbacks on our QB rankings, and uh, we got some other fun little tidbits to bip and bob and ring. Oh my god. The fr- the Fred lines are popping off the hook. Let's get on over there and see what's happening. Yeah, let's get going on on the Fred lines of the past week. Um, speaking of wrinkles, uh, there have been quite a few wrinkles uh, in this this year's March Madness, which we've talked about. You know, we talked about uh, in its own episode a couple weeks ago, and we also circled back on it last week but it just keeps getting madnessier uh we'll say uh Mad, you know, full disclosure we are recording this on sunday afternoon we do not have the full results of the elite eight yet but we do have results of uh, three of the four days of games from the last couple of rounds before the final four uh, all so the one seeds are gone. Saturday, all the one seeds are gone. Only one two seed is left. Uh, we got. So we know right now that uh, on Saturday, the Florida Atlantic Owls, in only their second ever appearance in the NCAA men's national tournament, are advancing to the final four as the nine seed. They beat. The three seed out of the East Region, Kansas State, by a score of 79-76. And then in the nightcap, the UConn Huskies absolutely dominated. uh, Wasn't wasn't Gonzaga your uh, champion pick? It was, in fact, my champion pick. And And they uh, were taken down by a score of 82-54. Not not great Um, for me. not, Not ideal. Um, and then in Sunday's games, which we do not have the results of yet, uh, one of these games will likely begin as we are uh, winding down this recording. That would be the Creighton Blue Jays taking on the San Diego State Aztecs, the six versus the five seed in the South region, respectively. Uh, the winner of that will go on to face Florida Atlantic. And then... This afternoon, we have the Miami Hurricanes, the five seed in the Midwest region, taking on the highest remaining seed, the aforementioned two seed in that region, the Texas Longhorns. Um, 
So, yeah. Uh, most of my brackets are not doing so well. I ended up filling out 10 this year, as I think I've mentioned, 10 different brackets. And most of them are busted, but one of them is doing pretty well right now. Uh, and that would be because it has Creighton, Texas, and UConn in the Final Four, with UConn being the champion pick. Uh, the only the only miss in the Final Four so far is that I had the Tennessee Volunteers in the spot where Florida Atlantic now sits. Um, so yeah, what, what do you think is going to happen with, um, let's say, Sunday's games? Sunday's games, let's see. Well, I picked Creighton to win uh, last year, so hopefully they, you know, maybe I'm just like a year behind. I w- I predicted Creighton mm. winning in the wrong year. Um, yeah, I still think Texas is going to win. I I at least want to be right about Texas making the Final Four. Yeah. Um, and then from there, shoot. I could see UConn, or honestly, I'd like to see FAU win it all at this point. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, in the women's one, I'm still holding strong with South oh, yes. Carolina. Still still hanging in there. Ohio State on, on messed me up. Note, uh, Ohio State probably messed a lot of people up because they had a huge upset over UConn, scoring a tremendous amount of points on a tremendous amount of turnovers against the Huskies. And the Huskies miss the uh, Final Four, I believe. Or they, it might have been an Elite Eight streak that ends at 14 tournaments. Uh, they will not extend that streak. I mean, it's not as if that streak now is, is totally gone from history. It happened, but it will not uh, be extended. Um, yeah, I, I wish Notre Dame had won yesterday. They had a decent start in the first half, and then I guess uh, Maryland just ran away with it uh, there. Um, the the big Cinderella over there right now is the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, uh, I, I think they might be the only school that has both their men's and women's teams still active in the, the big dance. Yeah, it really does um, feel like I picked a lot of, like, the... The wrong t- like sides. Like I picked UConn mm-hmm. to go all the way in the women's, and UConn might go all the way in the men's. And I picked Maryland in the men's to go all the way, and Maryland might go all the way in the women's. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like schools' choices. I'm right. It's just wrong. You yeah. know, uh-huh. <laughs> wrong one. Just got them flipped this year. Uh, one last thing I do want to say about. Uh, Florida Atlantic, in particular, on the men's side, um, it feels like I'm I'm hearing you know two two vastly different things from people who seem to kind of want to have things uh, two different ways, and they can't have them both ways. Which is that, for one thing, uh, Florida Atlantic, who is now 35 and three on the year, but was seated as a nine seed, was. Uh, drastically uh, underseated by the committee that they should have been, you know, a five or a six, perhaps. Which, going by uh, the AP poll heading into the tournament, they, that, that's where the AP pollsters would have had them. Um, but they also want to 
take it on as as the as a true Cinderella story. And I don't really feel like you can say that this team that should have been higher if they were properly estimated as a as a force to be reckoned with is also uh, really truly a Cinderella. I feel like to to have that sort of status in a tournament like this, the odds need to have been against you properly based on the preponderance of evidence that we had going into it. And you end up defying the odds that were uh, rightfully set against you. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel about that take, Kyle, but uh, I, I'm, I think... I'm going to be real with you. Um, and this is this this is not this is my opinion from college football, but it translates well over to basketball, which is I just I don't like the rating system. Hmm. I don't think it is an accurate uh, or always fair uh, judgment of how good a team is because it, it, it like they just judge. OK, very, very easily put. Tough. Very easily put, if a team is undefeated, there is no reason they should not be number one. Now, if a, two teams have the same, like, it, it should be ra- based on win pr- wins, and then after that, I think it should go points. Like, if two teams are, like, let's say 15 and one, right? Who do you rank number two? Well, who's scoring more points? Who's allowing less points? You got to look at like what they're doing that got them there. If you're 15 and one, but you've only won by the skin of your teeth, and the other people have been blowouts, the other people got to be ranked higher than you. And I feel like with college athletics, it's uh, it, they kind of have that, but I don't always get that. It, it often feels like it's they're just giving it to. I don't want to say giving it to the popular schools, but sometimes it really does feel like they just. Give it to the popular schools. Uh, I don't. I don't want us to get too far off track from where we were headed. Um, yeah. I, I will say, I think you do have some points there. Um, just in general, it's it's tough to rank such a big group of teams as 130 plus FBS football teams or over 300 Division One basketball teams uh, when they don't play a schedule that really gives you a good sample size of where they stack up against everyone. Exactly. Um, But let's move on to the next Fred line that I had lined up for us, which was uh, something else that we also touched upon during this segment last week, which was the indoor football league, the IFL. Love it. Last week we gave a shout out to TJ Edwards, quarterback of the Frisco Fighters in Frisco, Texas. He put up a tremendous offensive performance for them last week, scoring seven total touchdowns, six of them rushing touchdowns. Um, But at that point last week, when we recorded, we did not know, because it had not happened yet, that TJ would be awarded the IFL Offensive Player of the Week uh, distinction. Um, I'm going to say something. That I've always wanted to say. Well, I, I've said it before, but I, this time I'm making the joke. I'm going to pull a Jim Nance or a Chris Collinsworth. In. Now, here's a guy. Um, uh, TJ, I, I can just tell you from remembering his FCF days, loves running. Um, 
and you know he's gonna. And if you can't stop it, shoot, that's on you. He's like, gonna run. He's he's gonna run, and he's gonna be real good at it. And if you can't stop it, guess what? Then he's gonna lull you into this false sense of comfort. Like, oh yeah, he's always gonna run, and then he doesn't. Uh, and I'm I, I again, I'm just there's a lot of pride, uh, that like when I see these guys pop off like that. So hats off to TJ. Well, and you're in luck this week because TJ Edwards was not the only FCF alum what? to be named in the players of the week for week one of the IFL season because uh, Dillian Winfrey, mm. the guy you've shouted out multiple times across multiple shows on this uh, network of media that is the fan-controlled TV and fan-controlled sports and entertainment sphere. Uh, he won special teams player of the week this week. Hell yeah, he did. I mean, uh, that dude's talent. I, I, I've been talking about him forever. He's one of the best defensive backs I think you can find. Dude's got a knack for like finding the ball. Is he going to get picks? No. But is he going to make sure you don't catch it? Yeah, and you know what? That's arguably better. And that wasn't even what he. What and that he wasn't even that wasn't even what he this week. Exactly. A different different player was the defensive player of the week. Um, it's it's amazing to me that between uh, Winfrey and Cavante Turpin, also from uh, season one of FCF, that these guys from fan controlled football, which does not have a, a special teams portion of the game, at least as of through the first two seasons. That they are uh, making names for themselves as special teams players. Uh, well, that's Turpin now with the Dallas Cowboys. Dillian Winfrey in the in this first game uh, for the Arizona Rattlers had five uh, kick returns for a total of 160 return yards and a touchdown. I mean, special which is teams an average of 32 it. yards per return on a 50-yard field. Hella. So special teams is how you stick around. You know, oh, yeah. they they always say you want to make it. You gotta you gotta get good at something and uh, getting good at special getting good at special teams is exactly what she should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I just love because like I I I think he he was back to back DPOI. In IFL, I could be wrong, but I know the moment he left FCF, he won DPOY uh, over there, and I I firmly believe he can do it again. I I think he's he's just he's gonna get called up to the XFL. That's my it would be, it, it would be massive if he did. The fact that he hasn't yet, in in my opinion, is kind of a joke. Like he he's phenomenal. That was for his performance in the Rattlers' 60-53 to win at the Quad City Steamwheelers in Week 1. This week, the Rattlers uh, take on the Bay Area Panthers in the Panthers' season opener and home opener. Uh, Edwards' performance again was for the Frisco Fighters at the Green Bay Blizzard in a 76-30 to win. Uh, um, this, this in Week 2... On Friday, the Frisco Fighters took on the Tulsa Oilers, an expansion team playing their very first game as an IFL member or as 
as an organization, and the fighters won by a much more modest score of 35-13. to 13. Um, I think maybe they underestimated the Oilers a little bit as a brand-new team, but I still feel good about the fighters' uh, chances for you know, the season overall and for the playoffs. So we'll see where that goes. Um, one league that is much closer to their playoffs than the IFL is the league that you just mentioned uh, in the context of Dillian Winfrey, which is the XFL. Uh, as of this recording, the XFL is five and a half weeks into their 10-week regular season. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the quarterbacks from the XFL right now. Yeah. Shout out so to Kurt Benkert. We love him. Yeah. Getting signed Kurt by the Brahmas. Just signed with the Brahmas to uh, fill the void left by Reed Sinet breaking his foot on a uh, planning himself for a pass attempt that uh, resulted in an interception and the, the Brahmas just really never recovered from that. Jack Cohn isn't the answer there. Um, and he's, I think he's hurt for this week as well. And so uh, Kurt Benkert could be seeing the field this week for the Brahmas. Hey. Later, later in the day the, of this recording. Uh, but I believe Jawan Pass, uh, one of two quarterbacks who was allocated to the Brahmas before the draft and the only one of those two to remain with the team, will be starting. Um, but I, I did want to talk about the quarterbacks that I have at the top of my ranking. If you had to guess, who would you who would you expect? Um, okay. I mean, some of these some of these guys have played six games, some of them have played only five. But who would you expect is at the top of my ranking right now? So number eleven, we're saying, or you say number one? Number number one, in my XFL. And your XFL, ooh. Uh, I gotta. I mm. Mm, 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 mm. That's tough. That's tough. 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 Yeah. I definitely. Um, I got. I got I'll three. Never... I got three. Okay. I. I think you definitely got Teamu and Silvers and Perez in your top three. I think that's your top three. Uh, I think it's hard because two of those quarterbacks are undefeated. Um, and I think they're playing this week to determine who's not. I think I'm going to go from one to three, Ta'amu, Silvers, Perez. I think that's what it is. Well, actually, oh boy. you missed on all three of those. None of those three are in my top. Whoa! Um, even when I remove the factor that both the guys in my top two have played uh, their week six games already, which gives them a bit of a boost. Uh, but they would still be in my top three anyway. Um, and so you said uh, Ta'amu is 10th right now. 10th! That's partly, that's partly because he is uh, splitting time with Derek King, and I think that's taking away some uh, opportunities that King is is taking up. Um, but if, if, I, if I add their stats together and remove them from the equation and treat them as if they were one quarterback... They would be third. Okay. Um, as it stands, uh, so actually, actually, Tom was ninth then overall. Um, and then you said Luis Perez. Yep. He is 
uh, fifth. Oh, I was close. And, I'll and take Silvers that. is fourth. Ah, I was real close. I was real close with those um, two. <laughs> Deer Deer King is pretty high because he's getting a lot of. He, he's he's not being used a whole lot in this two quarterback system. Tom is getting the bulk of the work there. Yeah, but but uh, King is putting up good, efficient numbers that uh, I'm kind of hoping might might uh, regress toward a mean that is lower than that, uh, so that he's not skewing things as much as he is right now. But my top two are Ben DiNucci at number two. Okay. And AJ McCarron at number one. I had a feeling the moment you said I was wrong, I was like, it's going to be McCarron. It's like one of them. Um, Um, If I remove the, if I remove the games played factor, the new starter for the Orlando guardians, Quentin Dormady rises up to number two. Hmm. We, He's we only were, played in three games. We so were far, hitting on that so. last week, yeah. Yes, yes. I am a bit salty uh, about mm-hmm. uh, the XFL in one particular case. Actually, I, Seattle upsets me for a bunch of reasons, and none of them are going to make any sense unless you're me. But I'm going to tell you right now: one, I hate the name Sea Dragons. It could have just stayed Seattle Dragons, but they had to add C, and now it just sounds stupid. Um. I don't like that they have a bad name, but a cool uniform and a good quarterback and are winning games. Like, I want to root for them, but their name is garbage. Like, and like, the, on the flip side, the Orlando Guardians, great name, cool color scheme. They're garbage. What? That's not fair. My The old team I like has to be great now, and the new team I like has to suck? That's, yeah. that's, what's going on? The XFL hates me. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, I am not you, so none of that made sense. But <laughs> I will say um, the Guardians are now zero and six. Yeah, they are, and they've looked better in the last couple of games. Uh, the game against Seattle was closer than you would expect from what the Guardians have put together so far. Um, but it it doesn't help them to say, "Oh, you looked better in this loss than you did in the ones before," because that doesn't put them in the position to keep going. I think. Um, the, the the a win by the by the right team today Sunday might end up eliminating them from the playoffs. Um, they are at very least hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Could um, we see and the team of FCF players pull a zappers and go from O and terrible mm, to championship contender? Yeah, we will see. Uh, ben Denucci has put together so far through six games. 1,505 passing yards on a 64% completion, but he has thrown uh, just eight, 11, or he's thrown 11 touchdowns to eight interceptions. He's uh, very, very uh, turnover prone in that phase of the game. Uh, but what's lifting him up is he is putting together 276 yards per game and uh, averaging about 43 plays per game, which, uh, is is helping him right now. AJ McCarron at th- uh, 1322 passing yards on a 67.5% completion uh with 14 touchdowns to four interceptions is not doing quite as much for the team, but he's more efficient and less uh, turnover prone and that in my ratings is helping him. 
And speaking of my ratings, we now turn to the main content of this episode. As as Kyle mentioned at the start of this show, the season one Freddy Stat Go finale will see us close out the quarterback ratings that we started on a few weeks ago for the 2022 NFL season. Uh, if you haven't listened to those first two episodes that we've put together for you, go ahead and check them out. They are in the they're they're going to be on the same place where you're listening to this right now. Convenient. Uh, yeah. We got through um in the first episode we got through 11 quarterbacks who were the best quarterbacks for their team in 2022 but were not really all that good. In the uh, second part, we got through the next 10, the middle 10, and we also shouted out some honorable mentions, some guys who were not the best quarterbacks on their teams, but were still pretty damn good. And today we are going through the top 11. Um, and in order to make sure that Kyle was prepared, I gave him the list of the 11 quarterbacks that we are down to at this point. But he still doesn't know the order in which I'm about to name them. Nope. Um, but without further ado, let's let's get into number eleven on this list. Uh, who uh, is a bit of a question mark going forward? A bit of an unfortunate case because this quarterback is Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who in thirteen games of the twenty twenty two season put together thirty five hundred forty eight passing yards. Uh, 25 touchdowns to 8 interceptions, uh, 64.8% completion, with a 9.2 adjusted yards per attempt, which is higher than any of the quarterbacks in the top 10. But what ended up hurting him was the fact that he was out for several games this year with concussion problems. Or, or concussions. Um... What are your thoughts on Tua, Kyle? I feel like Tua, and I'm saying this as a Pats fan, right? I, I, you know, I don't believe in. I, I'm always a player's first guy, so I, I can't even like hate the Dolphins. I hate the Giants more than any other team. Always will, and even now they got me. But Tua, he's a good quarterback. I think I really believe that. I, I have him actually rated higher. Um, I have him at eight. I think the moment he got weapons, over. But the problem was, I think that that the training staff and the decisions to put him in, they they screwed him. That's like, he should not have been in that game after that initial concussion. Right. And I that was the most upsetting part of the season for me because I don't like I don't want the Dolphins to pop off, but like I. I do want to see these players have a fruitful career and not needlessly like go in. Like if shout out to Nelson Aguilar, because this is going to be part of my point. Follow me here. Uh, when Devonte Parker got rocked and staggered coming up, the, the game wasn't paused or delayed for medical and Nelson Aguilar waved his arms frantically yelled at the refs to, you know, stop it. Devonte should not be playing right now. Screw your pride. Screw all of this feeling like you gotta sacrifice your body. You don't. All right. 
you're don't do that. If you're a player listening to this, do not sacrifice. Uh, when it comes to head injuries, that's like, don't don't mess with that. As someone that has has a mental disability where I hit my head on things, epilepsy. Don't. It's not something you mess with. So the fact that they even did that with the Dolphins and Tua, it it disappoints me. Because I think Tua has the arm strength. I think he showed that. I think he's got the mobility. I think he has all the tools, but, you know, you got to take care of your quarterback. Mike Tomlin didn't let Ryan Clark play, even though Clark wanted to, because Clark had a concussion. As a head coach, you got to, as a training staff, anybody, you got to put your foot down and say, you cannot be out there because you're no good to me. On the you know like you're not good on the bench, but you're even worse if you can't play at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but love to it, fantastic player, another Alabama QB. Who you know, I got a, I got a lot of love for the Bama the Bama boys. <laughs> he, I, I think he no he's he's not the last Alabama quarterback uh, in this rating. There's one higher than him. Yep, uh, which we'll get to in a bit and not name for now. I think uh, we all know who it is, though. I, th- I think most people could guess. But, yeah, I think... It's Mac Jones. I think... <laughs> uh, I-, I think for the people who are underestimating Tua at this point are saying, you know, right as he got good was the same season that Tyreek Hill came in. And, you know, I, I would have expected, you know, if-, if, he- if Tua were on the right trajectory, that he would have had a jump this year anyway. Um, but I think people are treating the addition of a of a top three wide receiver in the league right now as you know the confounding variable in the equation um yeah i i agree with what you were saying about uh, treating concussions properly and seriously and uh you know people just need to both as coaches or as players need to not encourage the mindset of if you're a team player you'll fight through it that's that's not a, a good way to treat things i don't think yeah um, but i also can't really speak to how common that was or is as a as someone who has never put on pads uh, need to make sure i'm staying in my lane here but um that that's that's a good portion of what i had to say oh on that note. um at number 10 on this list is a man who wears the number 10 and was taken in the same draft as Tuatunga Eloa, I believe one pick later, by the Los Angeles Chargers. That would be quarterback Justin Herbert, Hmm. who in 2022 put together uh, a line of 5,012 passing yards in 18 games, including the playoffs with 26 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions, uh, 67.7 completion percentage, and a 6.8 yards per attempt. Um, how, do, how, do you th- how do you feel about this uh, placement for Justin Herbert? I, I, I mean, uh, be honest with you, I have him a little bit higher. Um, I, I have him at 6. Uh, granted, I will like just as a reminder to the folks at home of the names that you gave me in my top eleven. Uh, two of those na- like 
I believe the yeah. So Tom Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers are in my top eleven. Those are not in the list of names you gave me. So uh, and Jared Goff. Jared Goff actually in your top eleven is I I can get behind it. It's not for me, but I respect it. But I love Herbert. Here's the problem with Herbert, and it's not actually a problem with Herbert. Uh, Herbert, I th- I feel is going to be. Oh, this pains me to say, but they are going to be Philip Rivered, Rivers, Rivers, mm. in the sense of they're going to be underrated, um, mm. and that they're not bad. He like he's a really good quarterback, but in the era of Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow, Allen, even Lawrence now, with like he's he's never going to be top five, um. You know, even like when Jackson's healthy, I think he'll like Herbert's not flashy. He's not mm-hmm. he's not a social media quarterback to kind of throw mm-hmm. that dude's comments back in his face. He's not this guy that is, you know, talks to the media is really will say a lot of interesting stuff. He just goes out there and plays football. Mm-hmm. And I think I think he's one of the best at it. But I think because he doesn't have that sparkle, the media doesn't really care unless he wins. But because the Chargers have not been a consistently playoff team, mm-hmm. that he's invisible. And I think that's dangerous It for everyone else. For him, I think it's probably great. Because if you're not looking at him, you don't see him. And you don't, you, you don't want that. But Herbert's a phenomenal quarterback. I think don't want the chargers to get Zay flowers because that'll make it'll be better for them. And that's, yeah, but yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if they get rid of Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. Um, because then they'll need another pass, uh, receiving back that can also, you know, pound the rock. But I think no matter what dude's got a cannon and can like sling that sucker. And I, he deserves to be top 10. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting, you know, because that main problem that you named is not a problem with Herbert. Nope. It is a problem for Herbert. Exactly. It is someone else or, you know, some someone else, someone's else, multiple someone else's kind of getting in the way there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they can put something together or if uh, he will continue to be dragged down in 2023 and beyond. Um, next next name on this list, number nine, here we uh, go, is an interesting case, um, because he was not uh, in the top five of MVP voting. Uh, all four of the quarterbacks on that list are are still on in our top eight at this point. Um, but this is the quarterback who had the wide receiver who was in that MVP top five. And that'll be Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. Ooh, we're actually pretty close on that one. I had him at ten. Okay. Uh, so uh, in eighteen games this year, he put together forty-eight hundred twenty passing yards on a sixty-six point seven completion percentage, thirty-one touchdowns, fourteen interceptions, for a seven point one adjusted yards per pass attempt. Um. So, you'd have Cousins a little bit lower. Um, 
how much of how well he's doing lately do you think can be attributed to Justin Jefferson? I, so, uh, Kirk Cousins, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us back to the Dalton line, right? Mm-hmm. I don't put Kirk Cousins that far above the Dalton line. He is above it. Don't get me wrong. But even when he was in Washington, he was always, like, just above it. He was, I compare him to, like, a Brad Johnson type. I can see him being that quarterback that kind of manages the offense and as like and could get a championship out of it. But is he the offense? No. Jay Jettis is that offense. Dalvin Cook is that offense. Um, the fact that they also had Thielen there, I want to give credit to Thielen for being a consistent, like consistent hands for the Vikings, because that really opens up uh Jay Jettis. And the fact that they just got TJ Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. Dude's got great weapons around him. He had a terrible O-line a couple seasons ago, but you need someone that can just make the throws because your receivers are going to get open. And I think it does have a lot to do with the people around him. And, like, you know, give credit where credit's due. He's making those throws, you know? He's gaining some swag. I don't think he is as good as other ones, but I don't I he deserves to be top ten, especially after this year. I will I can I can give him that. You know? But I I don't I think there are quarterbacks better than him. And if I had like to choose, I would choose uh I, I he wouldn't be my first choice. In fact and this is a some biasy, but I would take I would take like Mac Jones over him. I think like I would take like or Justin Fields or like some younger guys, T Law, Herbert, you know, even Prescott. Like I, I, I want more, and I feel like he is like it, the default setting for a quarterback, which is not a bad thing, but it's like I want more. Would it be fair to say he kind of overperformed his potential or his expectation, like going forward? He overperformed his potential when he took over for RG3. Ever since then, he's been consistently like that. Like, uh, when was his first full season? 2015. Yeah, he's been consistently okay. A lot of only like... Like two seasons where he won double-digit wins. Like, and... But seven of his last eight seasons have seen him pass the uh, 4,000... Oh, yeah. ...passing yards mark. And, like, dude can sling it. That's what I'm saying. Is like, he can sling that ball, and, like, he can be that guy that manages the offense, makes good decisions, and is overall a good quarterback... I don't I want to see if he's going to be great he's got to take another step. He's got to make like needle throws. He's got to make like smart calculated like throws, stand up in the face of pressure, like just elevate like if Thielen's gone and you just got Jetta's Hawk and Cook, elevate all of them. Mhm. That's it's that elevation. That's the difference between 
You know, like Tom Brady worked with nothing for most of his career. Uh, Aaron Rodgers worked with nothing for a good chunk of his career. Um, Mahomes, last season, worked with spare parts, won a Super Bowl. And, well, spare parts and Kelsey, you know. Uh, so I think I want to see elevation with Cousins. Good quarterback. I don't want to knock him at all, you know, but definitely, definitely want to see more. I don't think that's too much. And even that, that one season in the last eight where he didn't reach 4,000 yards, uh, that was still his most efficient of his career and was one of those seasons where he won 10 games despite missing a game and only playing 15 games in the regular season. Um, and so I, I think I think Cousins is a little bit encapsulated in where his professional career began. Because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned RG3, because Kirk Cousins was drafted in the fourth round of the 2012 draft by Washington. But he wasn't the first quarterback taken by Washington. They took RG3 second overall. Um, and so I, I think that kind of... He would definitely be a solid backup anywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was... Insurance. He is is reliable, and he is, at this point, he brings plenty of experience and poise to the game, and that's probably why the Vikings so vastly outperformed, uh, you know, what you'd expect from a team with their point differential, for example. You know, I think a good comparison to Kirk Cousins, and this might might backtrack a lot of what I just said, but I'm like, (laughs) I'm looking at, uh, Kirk Cousins' you know, wiki, his stats and stuff. Two records, most game-winning drives in a single season and most fourth-quarter comebacks in a single season, tied with one person. And that one person, you could argue his play style is pretty similar to, and that's Matthew Ooh. Stafford. Yeah, Matthew Stafford, whom we talked about in the last uh, episode as one of our honorable mentions. Yeah, I can see that. Like, um, if if he's on that Rams team, I think he gets a ring. Like, genuinely. I think if he's on that Matthew Stafford Rams team instead of Matthew Stafford, I think he gets a ring. I think, I think you know what? It, it makes more sense now that the comparison. I think he's got the grit that Stafford's got. I think just the difference is Stafford's more vocal, so we see it more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of like the perception of the of rankings of quarterbacks is how much do we see versus how much is not show. Um, moving on to our number eight, and speaking of Matthew Stafford and the Rams, number eight is a quarterback you've already name dropped in this episode. It was the quarterback that the Rams traded uh, to the Detroit Lions for Matthew Stafford, and that would be Jared Goff who finally comes in at uh, number eight, is the highest quarterback in my ratings to not play more than 17 games. He only played 17 games last year because the Lions did not make the playoffs, uh, even though they were, they were probably the best team not to make the playoffs when all was said and done. Um, and, I think uh, I, he had... like I, I put him lower uh, because he had some pretty bad games you know Mm -hmm. um granted one of them i saw live and it was a fantastic experience to just absolutely like 
listen, the Patriots weren't great, but beating a tough as nails Lions team twenty nine to nothing, that feels good. Uh but let me he, get into Goff's stats. Oh, I was just we, about to do that too. No, you take it away. You go you go for it. In, in those seventeen games, he put together forty four hundred thirty eight passing yards on a sixty five point one completion percentage. 29 touchdown passes to seven interceptions for an 8.0 adjusted yards per attempt, which is higher than uh, five of the seven quarterbacks remaining ahead of him. Um, I think a lot of people are still talking about Goff as if he's a, a bridge quarterback for the Lions. Uh, how much longer would you say you think he has, you know, before it's before they should say it's time to move on? I think he's going to be there next year. Um, and I, so I actually have a prediction of the draft. Uh, the, the first thing I just want to point out is I think he's had like statistically one of his best seasons since 2018. You can say 2019 was good, but it, for me, that TD INT ratio, that's what made it better. Only 29 touchdowns, but the seven interceptions. That's what I look at. Um, he's They're going to keep him around next year. Now, would I love to see a Stetson Bennett or a Max Duggan be drafted late round, late round for the Lions, as someone that that could grow and develop and eventually be that guy? Absolutely. And if I think that, I Stetson would be more like, I think maybe next year or the year after max duggins i think if they got duggan i think they would keep golf on for two more years and then once he's 30 either ship him or give duggan the start uh but there's he's a bridge quarterback that is not playing like a bridge quarterback and i think he really needed i think like it he needed someone to really like he, he he was on his last chance and he needed someone to believe in him and that lions team gets you going gets you hype and i think he really fits like a glove and kind of showed us a bit of, reminded us what he could do and so i think they're going to honor that and keep him around for at least 2 years you he's, know he's a bridge quarterback but going back to the area in which he played college football, he is possibly the Golden Gate Bridge of bridge quarterbacks. It's a it's a long bridge, <laughs> um, and you know they only have Nate Sudfeld on the roster now behind him, and so I think it would be good for the Lions to maybe look to the draft for uh, someone to develop for a few years. Uh, you know, for for when Goff uh, declines again, you know. Whether that is expected to be sooner or later, it, that's a good place to to look. Um, not not early by any means. Maybe day two uh, or I I think you know, day at the very three. least day three. I think yeah. they ought to uh, drafting someone would be a good call. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's got plenty left in him. Um, I'm I don't I don't think I'm higher on his future than most of the guys that I have in my top seven. Um, but he's he's solid, and he's... I, I think he's at least proven that he is 
better than people were thinking when the Rams traded him away that he hadn't he hasn't fallen off a cliff yet. Yeah. He might have uh, stumbled off into a ditch for a bit, but uh it seems like he's climbed his way out and uh he should be around for at least you know, at least give him this year. Um I, I don't see the Lions ending up with anyone who is net is is going to be an upgrade over him if he struggles. I um, I, I am also saying this knowing a hundred percent that what the, him that text that got him kind of kicked out that was that was a garbage play. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got to say it. Don't talk about how badly you want to screw your head coach's wife. Not cool. <laughs> Not cool. Don't do that. Did have a good year, but don't do that. Take notes, Zach Wilson. Take notes, Zach Wilson. Don't screw your head coach's mom. But um, not not quite speaking of Zach Wilson, but speaking of New York, Ooh. number seven on my quarterback ratings is the quarterback of the New York Giants, Daniel Jones, who in the twenty twelve or the twenty twenty two season in eighteen games put together a line of. 3,641 passing yards on a 66.7 completion percentage, 16, or 17 touchdowns to six uh, interceptions, also ran for 810 rushing yards on 143 carries. Um, now, I know, I know you just said you hate the Giants, and I understand I that. Can, I can talk some, I can um, say some nice things. No, yeah, and I, I, I understand what people are saying about... Uh, that the new contract that Daniel Jones just got to stay with the Giants. Um, how do you feel about, I guess, his season with the Giants and going forward? I accredit. So Daniel Jones, he's a goofy dude. I'm not gonna lie. He's a little. He's a little silly. Uh, he's I think the highest drafted Duke player or quarterback ever. Um, possibly, but you, you one in garbage team, and then the moment Mister Quarterback, Mister Fix It, Brian DeBall comes in, balls out. Brian DeBall famously made Josh Allen really good, and so I think. He is doing a great job of being that sponge, soaking up, willing to learn and grow as a quarterback. So I can't I can't hate him. You know, he's he's really putting in the work to be a better player. And I I I got to respect that. And I think he- it does say a lot about the coaching and how much he needed but I do think he's a real good player now with good coaching. Yeah, uh, Brian Dable has a good thing going there. Um, Daniel Jones is not the highest drafted Duke player, but definitely in a while the uh, the last quarterback or the, no, not the last quarterback, the last Duke player to be taken in the top ten of a draft was Mike Junkin, a linebacker who was taken fifth overall in 1987 by the Cleveland Browns. 
uh, and would only play in 20 games in his NFL career over three seasons. Definitely think he's um, probably one of the best Duke players, and that's, well, not since Sonny Jurgensen, but, like, he's definitely one of the better ones we've seen in recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jurgensen taking it uh, 43rd overall in 1957. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I said this, um, maybe it was on the Info Arcade show on a, a Tuesday night recently, but it feels like it feels like Jones was probably overvalued if you're just looking at the contract he got. But when you take into context that it's almost like he's starting over. Yeah. Um, like he's he's getting a new lease on things and that the contract was more to keep him in that system where he can continue to develop uh, the right way. And uh, it was to get him to stay and to get him to grow in the system that he might only just be taking off in. Um, and so I, I still, I, I still think sixth overall was a reach. Oh, um, 100%. I mean, like, the quarterbacks in that class, I don't think were first round quarterbacks, and yet no. two went in, in uh, out outside of Kyler, you know Haskins, R.I.P. Uh, and Jones. I think needed more time, mm-hmm. and I think Let me... I think Jones gets to. And honestly, I think ha- if Haskins was uh, still with us, he would have improved greatly with uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that is an interesting quarterback class. Uh, after those three that you mentioned, they had Drew Locke, Will Greer, Ryan Finley, Jarrett Stidham, Easton Stick, Stiddy. Clayton Thorson, uh, Gardner Minshew in the sixth round, and Trace McSorley also in the sixth round. Not, not a a you know terribly good class. Of quarterbacks, but um, it seems like you know Jones might be playing his way into maybe the best quarterback in that class, depending on where Kyler Murray goes from here. Um, I'd say you know he might turn out to look like um, like a late first rounder. Um, I don't see him totally taking off from here, but uh, I also didn't see. Uh, Florida Atlantic making the final four in March Madness. So, uh, and a half shows you shows you what my crystal ball knows. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's he was fine this year. He could have a bright future ahead of him, but uh, we'll see. Um, one quarterback that I'm more confident about in having a bright future ahead of him is a quarterback who uh, has, has always been, you know, one of the, if not the top quarterback of his, of his age and his uh, cohort. And that would be Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars coming in at number six in my ranking. Oh, really close to where I put him. Nice. In 19 games, he put together 4,618 passing yards on a 65.5 completion percentage, 30 touchdown passes to 13 interceptions for a uh, 6.9 uh, 
adjusted yards per attempt, which is actually the same as Daniel Jones. So nice. Um, yeah, it's it's looking like the Jags might be the new team to beat in the AFC South. Um, but that's just generally one of the lesser divisions. Um, you know, the next highest quarterback from that division from last year is Ryan Tannehill, whom I have at 25th. Um, but what, what do you think about uh, Trevor Lawrence and not just the season he had, but where how, how things look for the Jags in their future? I, you know, his first year was bad, and it had absolutely nothing to do with him. And I think everyone knew that. Uh, and we knew the moment Urban was gone that we were going to see T-Law pop off. He did something that I talked about earlier that I wanted to see from Kirk Cousins. He took a tight end that drops a lot, an overpaid wide receiver too, they said, and then a bunch of nothings. And you know what he made with that? He made 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and a playoff berth. Not just a playoff berth, but a playoff win. Mm-hmm. And I... I I think it looks great. I think T Law is his it is that dude. I really think he's special. Um like granted like there are things of the Jaguars themselves that I very critical of and it had nothing to do with T Law. The Jaguars were always going to take T Law first overall. I was very critical of them taking his teammate ETN uh when they did but you know he's making it work i think he needs like a couple better weapons um but honestly i say that and i like my immediate thing is does he like he made christian kirk and zay jones look like freaking studs he made evan ingram who we all knew to be bad we all rode off. We all rode off. The dude, like, balled out. And now he's got Calvin Ridley coming in, which is exciting. And I I think, you know, this coming draft, they're going to probably bolster the offense as well as the secondary. And I think they're going to be legit. I think mm-hmm. the, the with the Patriots dynasty, I hate to say it, but it's true. You know, the Patriots are rebuilding. They're still figuring everything out. It is left open a lot of AFC teams, and honestly, with the Packers going out, the a lot of NFC teams. Like we're gonna see some stuff that we ain't, have not seen in a while, like the Lions and Jaguars being threats. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with their quarterbacks both cracking this top ten. Like we're we're in a different place now because I genuinely believe that with T Law there, with you know Dougie P. Like they're gonna, they're really gonna do some big things. For sure, for sure. Um, I, I think uh, a good way to gauge how bright Trevor Lawrence's future is is oddly enough his uh, wild card game performance against the Chargers, uh, which started off very badly. 
throwing four interceptions in the first half of that game, three in the first quarter. Yep. Um, but he still kept things together and led them to a victory, a comeback, a comeback win over the Chargers. Um, and I, I just checked, and if I take out those four interceptions and put him at 30 touchdowns to nine interceptions, it doesn't move him up, but it closes uh, a decently large gap between him and the next quarterback that we're going to be talking about. Um, so why don't we talk about that quarterback? Who Let's do it. Was also, um, well, before I get to this one, uh, if Kyle, if you're keeping track, and you know, if any of our listeners are also keeping track, you will notice that we are at our top five. Here we go. And four of those top five quarterbacks uh, finished in the top five of the NFL uh, MVP voting for 2022, I also... along with wide receiver Justin Jefferson. And think, there is one other quarterback in the top five. I think four of the. I think I, I'm, here's my prediction for this, these top five, because I know my number five already wrong. Because my number five is Trevor Lawrence. I think the top four are going to be the same, maybe not in the same order, and I think number five is where we're going to be different. But I think our top four quarterbacks are going to be the same, or at least similar, like. I, I think we're gonna I think we're at least gonna have like more similarities in the top five than we have had in like other places. What is well, what is number know, five? I already know that our top four is not the same because you name dropped one of my top four as deserving to be in the previous episode. Um and so my segue was about to be we are moving on from Trevor Lawrence to another former number one overall pick. Coming in at number five on my quarterback rankings. For 2022 is Joe Burrow, quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Number five. Wow. I know. Uh, in 2022, in 19 games, Burrow put together 5,196 passing yards on a 68% completion percentage, 39 touchdown passes to 14 interceptions, and a 7.5 adjusted yards per attempt. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I I take it you weren't expecting Burrow here. I wasn't expecting um, Burrow. I Burrow's top four for me. Burrow's cold blooded. Yeah. Yeah. If if I were, you know, if I were moving things around, I'd probably put him at third. That's um, where. That's exactly where I have him. And. Uh, um. What, what do you think about the season he had? I think. I little bit better than last year, honestly. Um, more wins. He really got comfortable. Like he had, he had to come in in twenty one and prove that you know when he's standing on his feet, there's no one deadlier. Like really, his own Achilles heel has been the O line, which they have seriously addressed. And outside of that, if Joe Burrow is in the game. You're not gonna you're not gonna win that game until it's all zeros on the clock because Joe Burrow is ice cold. I saw a, an interview where an old coach of his who was also a psychologist said that Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, as he were, uh, has similar tendencies to first responders or even uh, serial killers, where it's his blood pressure does not change under stressful situations. 
This dude is cold. That's why he's Joe Burr. Like, I think Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback. Um, And he's only, he just finished his third year. Which means that there's he's he's gonna keep getting better. Um, he's gonna bring Cincy a ring. I swear. Yeah, it it, it was very close this last year. He, uh, they they upset the Bills in uh, what was sort of a rematch of a game that had to be canceled due to the tragic incident with Demar Hamlin. Yep. Um. One of the things that I just noticed that is interesting to me is um, Burrow is by far the lowest of the top five quarterbacks that I have in yards per rush attempt. Um, but overall, uh, my my two through five here are so close together that if I just raise Burrow to uh, be the same as the next lowest guy, he jumps number two in this ranking. Um, so I think that shows you that he has one of the best passing games right now in the in the game, and it's just it, it just uh, the formula and the the way it takes into account rushing yards uh, hurt him. But uh, I am kind of tinkering with changes to this uh, algorithm and this this system. Um, I didn't want to start changing it in the middle of us doing this. No, keep it real. Uh, these ratings, yeah. but uh, I am considering stuff for the future in terms of uh, how I can better filter out outliers or uh, adjust for them and how I can weight different factors that are going into consideration in order to really give a more complete picture of who are the best quarterbacks in terms of what you want in a quarterback most. Mm. Um, and so I think when, when we adjust for that, he probably, he might jump into the top two or three. It just, you don't do science by deciding these are the results I want. What can I do to make sure I get the results? Um, and so in taking kind of a scientific approach to this, I'm not, going to say oh i want burrow to be in my top three what do i have to do in order to achieve that um and so now you are probably expecting that uh now we'll get to a quarterback who did not finish in the top five of nfl mvp voting and we're not at number four um is a quarterback who many people thought had a a legitimate chance to be NFL MVP or possibly Super Bowl MVP if his team had won. Stop uh, it. But, he, but coming in at number four in this ranking is Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Four. Holy smokes. I got him at two. Oh, I, that, that's, that's what I was thinking as well. Um, I would put him at two if I were uh, adjusting. But his totals for the season, 4,280 passing yards on a 66.5 completion percentage, 25 touchdown passes to six interceptions, 8.2 adjusted yards per passing attempt, and also 
903 rushing yards on 200 carries. Um, yeah, I think I think the future is pretty bright bright for Jalen Hurts. The problem might be that uh, you're seeing what you end up seeing with a lot of uh, Super Bowl losers, which is that people are all going their separate ways because uh, they don't have that championship to uh, continue to bond them together. Uh, the Eagles lost, I think, both their coordinators to head coaching vacancies. And guys like uh, Miles Sanders are also gone to other teams. Um, so I would I would have Hurts at second, I think, if I were uh, adjusting things up. I think one of the things that ends up hurting him is that he missed a couple games toward the end of the regular season. And, uh, you know, if he had been in those games and if he had put up uh, the same kind of numbers that he did uh, on the rest of the season, or if he outperformed those and upped them, he might be, I'm, I'm sure he'd be number two on this list. Um, what do you think? I think Hertz is number two. I, I think he dominated all throughout the season. I, like, whenever you got to get taken out of a game because of how you're playing, you're playing that game real well. Uh, I think he balled out, um, on both on the ground, he opened up that run game so that you know they could dominate, and I think he was truly like, uh, with the exception of Mahomes, I don't think there was a better quarterback. Yeah, and we will get to Mahomes uh, eventually here. Um, I don't want to spoil his placement, but I think a lot of people might be able to guess it. Um. It should be noted that the the final values that I have for the quarterbacks in my uh, two through five, uh, Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow both come out two point six three nine when you're rounding to three decimal places. Um, if I move that out to four, it becomes six point or a point six three nine zero versus point six three eight nine. So Hertz and Burrow are very close in these final ratings. Um, the next two guys are both pretty close to each other and Hertz uh, and Burrow uh, with both six point or point six four. Um, so now you might be expecting that we're finally going to get rid of the quarterback that did not finish in the top five of the NFL MVP voting. And this time, you would be right, because coming in at number three in these uh, ratings, in my ratings, is Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith. Now, Kyle, where, where again did you have Geno in your personal ratings? 16th. Mm. So, uh, on, this, on this 2022 season, in 18 games, Smith put together a line of... 4,535 passing yards on a 69.9 completion percentage, 32 touchdowns to 12 interceptions for a 7.6 adjusted yards per pass attempt. He also had a healthy uh, 394 rushing yards on 72 carries. Um, yeah, this is 
this is one of the ones where I need to look at not just how I'm using the inputs that I have here, but also what else I can put into them. Because, uh, fun fact, only one team out of the 32 NFL teams only used one quarterback throughout all their games and all their snaps. Geno Smith was the only quarterback to be in for 100% of his team's offensive snaps. And so when, you know, you have other teams where, you know, you get a, enough of a lead or you, you know, or there's just garbage time in general, you put in, put in a backup or something like that. Uh, Geno Smith didn't didn't have that situation. They they never put in Drew Locke, even though they just got him from the Broncos for Russell Wilson and and some other stuff, and uh, they just re-signed him. So uh, obviously they see something in Drew Locke in order to keep him around. But uh, I guess Geno Smith was just that much above that. Um, so we already talked about Jared Goff, who is either in a similar situation or was thought to be in a similar situation at one point to Geno Smith. How do you, how do you feel like that compares? From Geno, I'm a bit confused at the question. Can you repeat it? So like in terms of, you know, people are saying that, that Goff was going to be a bridge quarterback. Ah, or that he, he wasn't the long-term answer. Uh, do you do you see that as being maybe more the case for Geno Smith in his situation with the Seahawks? I think it's similar. I think that Geno Smith, like G- Geno Smith, had like a weird, like a long arc of like just garbage to nobody to a second chance. And I think now that he's got it, I think he is going to be a bridge quarterback. Um, I honestly believe, like, I could see Seattle taking, like, a Hendon Hooker and rocking with Geno Smith. I don't know how long Geno Smith's got it, but I definitely think he's going to at least start next season. And if they draft a quarterback, kind of be that mentor. But I I don't see him as as long-term as Goff. Yeah, I I I would tend to agree. Uh, he was drafted in 2013 by the Jets and uh, just didn't do well there. Was not the answer for them. And now, uh, in his tenth season in the NFL, he really finally put something together. Um, and um, yeah, I can see. I can see the Seahawks going for someone in this draft for sure. Uh, they've got Drew Locke, like I said, but um, if he's not the answer in terms of what they are going to develop, you know, they have the fifth overall pick. Um, and I don't see them going for Hendon Hooker there necessarily. No, I meant so, like in so our maybe later rounds. Yeah, no, they could they could definitely go for him. You know, if if his if his recovery is going just fine, and I believe it is, then well, uh, that's why I, I think he'll be there. Be a day two guy. Yeah. yeah, I I think he's gonna fall because he's injured. Um, same with uh, Voorhees, another guy who I think highly of, but is not gonna get drafted where he should because injuries. Um, 
I think they're going to build up that defense, and then I think they're going to take. Uh, they they're going to take their guy, uh, mm-hmm. who I think I think Hooker absolutely could be the guy. That would that would be, that would be something. That would be interesting. Um, I think I was maybe expecting them to be the ones to de- to take Anthony Richardson, who was expecting who was expected to go uh, much higher than I think the level at which he's ready to perform in the NFL. Um, but people were also saying the same thing about Malik Willis last time around, and uh, that did not pan out. Um, so that that'll be you know an interesting thing overall to track. Um, and now moving on. So you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, and we'll get to Patrick Mahomes because I I, I don't think I need to make any. Uh, mistake about the fact that Patrick Mahomes is number one in these ratings. But that still leaves one more quarterback to talk about at number two. And that is Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who in 2022 put up 4,899 passing yards on a 62.8 completion percentage, 38 touchdown passes to 17 interceptions for a 7.6 adjusted yards per attempt, also put up 808 rushing yards, on 136 carries. Um, and like we've been saying, uh, we would have Hurts and Burrow up here, up higher. Uh, but I, th- I think Josh Allen works out as a nice fourth. Uh, what would you say? I have Josh Allen at four. Uh, I think Josh Allen has been, ever since he got, he figured it out, he got his groove. I think he's just been consistent um i think really what you got to look at is to the team around him and i think he's got some good guys i think he just needs like a i it always feels like buffalo is just one little push away from being it and i think i mean shoot they get it's always it used to just always be their running back and now i'm like well they need to get better wideouts and i you know it's always something um i think he has potential to elevate the people around him but i we have yet to see it right i um. think i think he's got a lot more he's got he's got a lot to still work on but that does not mean what the product we're seeing right now is bad right i'd say we definitely i don't think we should have the sense that i think a lot of people have that josh allen has peaked no he Um, hasn't but I, i can see what people are thinking in terms of some some bad signs um he he fumbles kind of a lot. He had 13 fumbles this past season. Um, he's he's also maybe throwing you know more interceptions than you'd like for the number of pass attempts he's making. Um, but I I don't think it's the problem isn't fixed. The problem is fixable. Yeah. Almost that the problem isn't unfixable, which. 
and now now that I've said that, we're we're going on even longer than we needed to on that. But um, uh, no, yeah, I think I, I think four is definitely an appropriate placement. I think given given the numbers, I think two at least makes sense. You know, but you may want to move things around a little bit. Um, and so I think what it comes down to is making sure that there's plenty around him to make sure that it's not always on him or always on him and Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Um, definitely want him to have plenty of options. Not that you wouldn't want that for, you know, any quarterback, but that does seem to be what it's coming down to in terms of putting a lot on his shoulders and, you know, it being something that he can deliver 90% of the time, but uh, you'd like, you'd like that 90% to be the to be like a 90% of a smaller number, you know? Um, so that there's other players who can you know, help shoulder that load. Um, but speaking of a big load to shoulder, obviously the number one quarterback in these ratings is Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, NFL MVP and Super Bowl champion for 2022. In 20 games, uh, Mahomes has put together uh, 5,953 passing yards on a 67.8 completion percentage, 48 touchdown passes to 12 interceptions, on an 8.5 adjusted yards per attempt. And even when I remove the factor of the fact that he was the only quarterback to play 20 games this year, uh, the gap does not close by much uh, over Josh Allen, uh, Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Tua Vailoa jumps up to fifth if I remove the games played factor. And then Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson are really the only ones left in that same stratosphere. Um, what more is there to say? I don't, I don't know what else he can say about Pat Mahomes that hasn't been said a million times. I, mean, I, also, I also got Mahomes at one, by the way. Wow. It's no way. The easiest number one to do. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could rehash that, that whole uh, Hall of Fame debate if we really wanted to. Um, which well, is if Mahomes retired today, would he be in the Hall of Fame? Which, yeah, I mean, there's there's a zero percent chance that he does that, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's he would have to fall hard, or you know, something absolutely terrible would have to happen for him not to be deserving of it at this point. Let's or for the future that we anticipate he'll have. So one of my favorite tools um, that uh, Pro Football Reference has, shout out to Pro Football Reference, by the way. Hey. Um, they also have, it's, it's, the irony is their paid subscription is called Stathead. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, they have a Hall of Fame in, uh, index or Hall of Fame monitor, which basically uh, has a score where the average, it takes 
the games, the weighted up career approximate value, yards, attempts, touchdowns, interceptions, how many times they were sacked, uh, how many yards they lost to the sex, the longest passes, how long they played, uh, how long they were a starter, how many Pro Bowls, how many All Pros, and how many rings. All those numbers gives them a calculation that tells us how likely they are to make the Hall of Fame. The average Hall of Fame QB is 109. Right now, Pat Mahomes is at an 86.28. And he's only played for five years. He is the youngest active player right now to be that high. I, I, yeah, I think it's clear if he retired today, Mahomes would be in the Hall of Fame. But if he retired today, would he be the GOAT? I don't think so. That's I, that whole. Sorry, go ahead. I I I think he's got to do a bit more to be the goat. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, part part of that whole uh, designation for Brady is the longevity, and uh, that longevity, even even so, with him playing how many seasons? Twenty three seasons. Too many seasons. <laughs> You know, upwards of twenty seasons. If you want to only count the game, the the seasons where he played a full season, he was. Um, there'd be about twenty one seasons, and he still only won a ring in a third of those. Um, yeah. So I think Mahomes is on pace for a much more densely accoladed career. Um, and so he doesn't even necessarily need to, you know, you'd, you'd expect him to maybe get another ring or two at minimum if he continues at his current level for, you know, long enough. I will say this, if Mahomes, uh, and the Chiefs win another Super Bowl next season, he's, he's solidified the conversation of you he they he made them a dynasty so now yeah. now we do legitimately have to start looking at him to potentially be a great of all time the greatest got got a couple things to got a couple hurdles to jump but uh-huh. a great for sure and i i i think that starts with a dynasty I mean, he is under contract with the Chiefs until 2032. So he's still got he's got plenty close of enough time. to another decade under contract. Um, and I don't know if that's for the 2032 season or if that's he gets free agency in 2032. Long, long. It's it's far out enough either way. That's still what another. Eight or nine seasons. Um, no, I, I, I think since what, what you can say about I mean what you can say about Mahomes' career is not well. What if it gets better? It's how could it? How could it not be on that track at this point? Since and I don't. The most mind-blowing stat is since he got the start in 2018. 
He started in 2018. That was his first season as a full-time starter. They made it to the AFC Championship. Second season, his full-time starter, Super Bowl. Third season, lost a Super Bowl. Fourth season, AFC Championship. Fifth season, won another Super Bowl. You're absolutely right. How can it, like, it's not will it, it's how can it. How can it get better? Like, what new ways will it get better? Yeah, it's it's how is how how does this thing that how how can this thing that seems inevitable not actually turn out the way we think it's going? Um, you know, uh, interesting interesting butterfly effect question. What happens if the Bears take Mahomes instead of Mitchell Trubisky when they trade up for the number two pick in that draft? Oh, I love these. <laughs> I, I I genuinely do. Uh, so if they take, I mean, so the obvious thing is Kansas City would have taken uh either either Trubisky or Watson. Mm-hmm. Um. Personally, I think it would have been Watson, which means Houston would have gotten Trubisky. I think Mahomes would have been very raw in Chicago. I don't think I don't think John Fox would have helped them, nor do I think Matt Nagy would have helped him. He accredited a lot of his development to Alex Smith in Kansas City. Um so I think you know, let's say he follows a similar trajectory to Trubisky and he, he gets shipped off to the Steelers. I think then he would have developed, but it would have taken a longer time. It would have taken a bit. I think Alex Smith wouldn't have gone to the uh, football team or the commanders. I think they, he would have been still in KC, which means that potentially... Well, if, it, if they drafted Watson, then, yeah, Smith would have been gone. But in Houston, if they got Trubisky, garbage. It would have been much yeah. worse. Um, I think Bill, Billy O would try his best, but I do think that they would not be the... the at, like, Houston wouldn't have been as good, the Chiefs wouldn't have become as good, and the Bears just still wouldn't because the Bears at that time were just terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe if, if the bears aren't the big believers in Trubisky that they were, uh, maybe Trubisky doesn't go in the first round. Maybe it's, maybe my guy Deshaun Kaiser goes up there instead. Um, Ooh, and then you got Trubisky on the Owen 17 Browns. There, there are so many different ways that things could go from there. Um, and I would be, you know, super interested to pose that to some of our friends here on the uh, fan-controlled TV, fan-controlled sports and entertainment network, which, uh, as we mentioned at the top of this show, this is uh, sort of our season one finale, if you will. Yep. Um, we're taking a bit of a break from this, from this show, and we're not totally sure when we'll be back, but... I think we would like to be back. And in the meantime, we're not going to be totally gone. Uh, no. In the meantime, I will be uh, appearing on some of the other shows on the fan-controlled sports Twitch channel that they have uh, on 
weekdays, Monday through Thursday at various times. Uh, I'm in talks to, uh, to start appearing regularly on some of them, and I can't wait to see how that goes, and I, I hope you guys who uh, have been tuning in week in and week out for all the Freddy Stat Go episodes will follow me over there and see what uh, I have to offer on those. Uh, kind of what, what, what do you, what do you see happening for yourself? I mean, I'm going to be taking a break uh, from uh, FCSE content for a bit, but you can still find me on Twitter at KSRealmKyle. You can still find me in the Discord. Poke me, bug me, why not? Um, I'll be doing a lot of my own stuff um, over on my YouTube channel, the KS Realm. Um, I I just kind of want to take a break and really get, get more creative with stuff. And... Uh, you know, also I have to financially support myself, and that means I need to get a job. Well, I have a job, but I mean get a better job. Because <laughs> right now, not getting paid enough. But no, it, it it won't. It will not be the end of this pairing, this content. It'll just be a pause. And I've had. I think we've had a heck of a season one. Oh yeah, we've been. We've been all over the place in terms of football and more. Uh, but uh, you'll still be able to find us in other places talking football and more, just like we have been, from the same perspective that we've been taking and from other perspectives. We are stat guys, but we're not just stat guys. We are... We're stat I'd people. Like to, I'd like to think we're pretty well-rounded. Oh, yeah. No corners. Smooth, smooth, smooth edges. Yes. Um, and so, I hope you guys will uh, continue tracking us if you've enjoyed what we put out so far. And uh, this isn't a goodbye. This is this is just a see you later. And until later, I'm Freddy. He's Stat, and we gotta go. This has been a presentation of the Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. If you'd like to create a podcast or live stream show with us, please reach out at content at fcf.io.